Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista. Hey, we're so excited that you guys have joined us. We are pumped to bring you this incredible podcast. And it's really incredible because one, we get a chance to share our hearts with you guys. And we, again, we can't thank you guys enough. Uh, You guys are continually downloading this. Uh, You're continually helping us push uh, literally this message out to more and more people. So hey, I just want to give a plea to that if you go on any the places that you listen to your podcast, would you please give us a review and uh, some sort of rating? I think sometimes they've got ratings on stars and stuff like that. But if you do that, that would help push the podcast a little bit further out. So just take some time. If this is a blessing to you, if it's not, don't leave no review. Okay. We don't bless you. Don't say nothing. All right. We just want favor. Keep your comments to yourself. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, hey, in this episode, we're going to have an incredible interview a little bit later, but we want to start off and let you guys know this week in a couple oh, days. Oh my gosh, three days. Three in days. Three days. We are going to have the Healing and Deliverance Masterclass. And this thing has been so long in preparation. It's been in our hearts to do this for a multiplicity of reasons, but probably one of the biggest reasons, and we've talked about this, is we're seeing an uptick in deliverance. You know, and we really recognize this is going to be a key gathering to train and equip the body of Christ, to train and equip believers on not only how to walk in freedom for themselves, but how to lead people through both healing and deliverance. And we're really passionate about people being equipped and trained and confidently knowing who they are in Christ and really walking what it is in freedom and helping bring freedom to other people's lives. This is so true because Jesus over and over again in the gospels, he first declared that he gave uh, his disciples, his followers, authority to heal the sick and to cast out devils. And you think he's given us such an authority, but yet so often it seems like it's not the norm in the modern North American church. You know, maybe it is in the church of Africa, maybe it is in the church of South America. But if Jesus is, and I, I looked at statistics, one third of Jesus' ministry boo was casting out devils, like 60 some odd percent of it was healing. So that leaves just like, like single digits where maybe he fed the multitudes, he stopped the storm, you know, and obviously raising the dead is part of healing. So, so much of his ministry was healing and deliverance. And yet it seems like it's such a rarity in our churches today. You know, I think there's been an an increase in real uptick of deliverance because we are seeing a greater authority in the body of Christ at this hour. I think kind of all that shallow waters that people were content with in previous seasons of the church, we really are in a new era. We're in a new time where people have cut out the nonsense. They've cut off, cut out kind of the pomp and circumstance, kind of all the flash and all the shiny stuff. And they really just are desperate. There's a fresh desperation, which has increased a greater authority. Uh, when people get desperate, they're going after a genuine move of God, a genuine encounter. People are throwing stuff. And I think deliverances have also increased because people are getting more honest and they're more desperate and they're willing to actually say, this is what's actually going on. This is what I need help with. And I feel like you actually said this, baby. Um, you felt 
felt like you got some revelation as to why we weren't seeing deliverances in Northern America. And that's because the demonic was kind of stealth and there wasn't enough power behind the pulpit. Right. And we have seen such an increase of the power. I feel like in the, even from people ministering that it really has caused the demonic to surface. We've seen that in our local church. We've seen that in our gatherings. We've seen that as we've traveled and it's been really beautiful that there's just a sovereignty of the demonic cannot stay hidden because the power and the presence of God literally causes it to come out. I think it's to your point, I think in modern North American church and not to be negative, just observation here is that I think we've gotten good at referring out when people have struggles, like we'll refer them out to Christian counselors, which we believe in that is a place for that. We'll refer them out. Hey, you need to see a specialist in this area. Hey, you need to go. And I think we have gotten better at referring out, but we've gotten worse at casting out. I think Mm -hmm. there's certain things and instead of referring people out, I think we need to just begin to believe God, lay hands and 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 pray and ask God to show up and show off in a way that he's given us authority. And you guys, I just want to throw this pitch out there. If you're not able to come and be in person with us at the Healing and Deliverance Masterclass, we have a little phrase, if you can't go live, go live stream. If you go to www.seanandchristasmith.com right now, you can sign up and get our entire Healing and Deliverance Masterclass live streamed to you wherever you're at, whatever nation you're at, you can get it live streaming so you could be a part of this equipping. And we'll we'll tell you a little bit more about that even a little bit later. But I just want to continue. You and I are also instructors. We've got, uh, t- we'll be teaching at this session is what I mean by that. We have Joanne Moody, who she's incredible. She's going to be talking about healing, praying for the sick, and just uh, how to operate in that gift of healing. And at the same time, what do you do when, because you were talking to her today, yeah. what do you do when you pray someone and they don't get healed? I, I love that. That's what she's going to be hitting on. I'm super excited. She's really going to help people with a, a walk away, a takeaway prayer model for physical healing. But then there are those times where you go through the whole model, you pray for the person, they don't get healed. And what do you do when you hit those walls? She's going to give really practical takeaways on what to do. And I love that because I'm like, give me all the like tools in my tool belt that I can get. And Jeremy Nelson, he's just, he is really gifted in the area of deliverance as well. So is Joanne. We're just, and they're both could literally teach about the other subject, but we're having them focus on uh, these specific topics. And we've asked Jeremy to focus on deliverance. And what I love is he too is going to share some really powerful testimonies and stories and then give again, the people, the practical how to's on how to lead people through deliverance. Yes. And I got a chance to talk to him. One of his sessions, he's going to deal with generational curses and generational bondages that pass down. Sometimes, uh, you know, we were talking, some people have certain weaknesses in their character or predispositions towards certain iniquities, not knowing that in a sense, it was a giant that was not defeated in a previous generation. And all of a sudden that Goliath comes to the new generation. And then the next one, he's going to talk about, I think something very much more common than we want to admit, because I think we've become so rationalistic and we've become in a sense so cerebral that we forget the spirit realm is very real. And so he's going to talk about divination in the sense of witchcraft and how that comes against people. And then other particular spirits that people are fighting that come to intimidate folks today and how to get folks free. And we both know just how important that is. And I'm super excited that you and I are also instructors. So, hey, why don't you share with some of our listeners what it is that God has put on your heart that you're going to share? Yeah, I'm really going to be talking about how to tear down strongholds. I'm really passionate about helping people get to a place of mental and emotional freedom and healing. And I think it's because of my own personal journey. I walked through some years where I really battled um, some different things emotionally mentally. And I'll be sharing that at the masterclass. And I felt like the Lord led me through a season where I experienced partial 
freedom, but it was a whole process and a journey where till I walked into full freedom. And I'm actually going to share the tools and the revelation, the resources that really helped me walk in that in my own life. And now I'm able to pray that through with a lot of people. And it's actually quite simple, um, but they're just practical how to's of how not to partner with things, how to, what doors uh, to open, what doors to shut and really how to tear down a stronghold, take thoughts captive and walk in the freedom that is our inheritance. So I'm really excited about that. So I feel like mine's really fundamental. I'm really a foundational teaching really for every believer. So I'm just excited um, because it brought so much freedom to my life. And I think we're, you're always excited to share something that has been impactful for you. You know, and I'm going to have two sessions. The first session, I'm going to talk about kind of the spiritual authority and set a foundation as to how and why we can believe that healing and deliverance should flow freely from us as believers. And then my second one, I'm going to literally take you, if you will, into a deliverance session and share with you exactly how to deal with someone getting free and how to deal if there's demonic resistance. So it's going to be very practical and I think it will fit in. And when I was thinking about the whole aspect of authority, proper relationship with God means you exercise authority. In one sense, God has done everything he's going to do in terms of the devil. The Bible says he's put Satan underneath our feet. So if the enemy's held in check and God is sovereign, obviously there are areas that that God does hold the devil in check, but it's up to his body, his representatives on earth to rebuke him, to drive him back, to resist him. In fact, the Bible tells us, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. It doesn't just say submit to God, he will flee. There's an aspect of resistance. And I was thinking about just a couple things that I would, I feel will help people and, and just some nuggets. I just, I even want to share with our listeners right now. And here's the deal. You have authority regardless of how you feel. I think there were times coming up that I kind of felt if I went to a fiery service and man, I entered into worship and whoever preached released a, a faith. I felt something. I could walk from that meeting. And there, there are instances of that where I took on a guy named Vincent who lived next door to me <laughs> after a service. But then maybe sometimes that feeling isn't there. I didn't come out of a fiery service. And you need to understand that just like regardless of whether or not I feel married, I am married. And by the way, I love being married to you. <laughs> Anyone listening should know yes, I, love this, I love this woman in front of me. But I'm married whether I feel like it or not. True, and so here's yeah. the thing. You have authority based on a covenant, whether you feel like it or not. And here's the thing. When two people that have authority or uh, come against each other, or maybe I should say it like this, when one with authority confronts another with authority, the one with the greater backing has the upper hand. And you have to understand you have all of heaven, heaven backing you. The enemy, his powers derive, it's limited. In fact, it's borrowed, it's stolen. Like Adam and Eve were given authority and then obviously they give it to the enemy. But Jesus came, took it back and he said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go. And so I think that's important. The other thing is I feel like Jesus in you should never shrivel before the devil because Christ never shriveled before the enemy. He met uh, Satan mano a mano in Luke chapter four in the wilderness. He did not back down and Jesus in you should never shrivel before the enemy. I've got all these different thoughts, but ultimately here's what I want to tell people. Our authority is not just based on what Jesus did to the devil, but what he did for us. Mm. So if you come or you tune in and you watch, I'm going to share with you what Jesus did for you. So you know, your authority is not just that he took captivity captive. He triumphed over the devil, but he did something for you. And if you know what he did for you, you will never walk in a lack of authority and you will never let the enemy uh, get a foothold 
on you. In fact, you will keep them underneath this, your feet. That's so good. I'm excited to hear your sessions. I literally, I'm so excited to hear everyone's sessions because I ever, I forever want to be a student. So I'm just looking so forward to being trained to quit myself because I always think there's more we can learn. There's more we can grow. And so again, get your seat, whether it's virtual or in person, we will see you July 20, 28th and 29th here in the Bay. Okay. With that being said, we're diving into a powerful conversation with literally one of Sean and I's favorite people, Chris Aldejuste. The first time I met him and hugged him, I was like, I love this guy. He's one of the best hearts. You guys are going to be a part of a really intimate, vulnerable conversation between him and Sean. He's a passionate, anointed worship leader. He has such a beautiful heart for Jesus. He's been through such a journey and come out so sweet uh, before the Lord. He's just an amazing man of God. And he's married to our beloved LTV. uh, Just she's family to us and she works with us on our team. And so just get ready for this powerful conversation because it's just power packed with truths, revelation, and it's going to pull you deeper into your intimacy with Jesus. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe. I am so excited for you guys right now, man. We got my boy Chris in the room. Chris, all to just day. And man, he's a mighty man of God. Chris, what's up? What's up? Man, I am so excited to be here. It's like surreal, but you know, your family. So it's just a normal conversation that people get to see. I love that, man. Hey, we had a time the other day, listeners, we decided that we were going to have like a, a team fun day because we all run together uh, with momentum and revival our momentum meetings if you guys are aware of that and then all of the different master classes different conferences and Chris is very intricately involved in that so we went out to Napa man we got on bikes we rode like 20 miles dude it was crazy like I was like trying to keep up with Sean and Chris so they were leading the pack but we did it we weren't the ugly duckling all the way in the back we was with the fam we kept it going we got a chance to see how the other side of uh, the economic scale live man up houses was crazy oh, man. man it was cool how we were all prophetically picking our homes our future <laughs> homes mansions in napa valley ain't nothing like it nothing like it man with beautiful views it was a beautiful day oh, man we ate at uh this incredible farmstead farmstead we, we ate this incredible you told us about these pork the chops pork chops with man. spicy jalapeno grits yes sir yes oh, sir my goodness so it was good. so good so, so good. good you guys i i love chris for so many reasons and number one uh he is he's gen z to the bone is so many respects, but he's almost like, if you think of generations in terms of wisdom, he's like a builder generation. <laughs> you know, as a Tom Brokaw called that the greatest generation. And so I just love the wisdom. So we're going to jump right in this. Chris, one of the things we like to do here at Keep It 100 is we like to find out people's origin stories. So tell us, Chris, at what point and how did the Holy Spirit make Jesus real to you? Man, so, you know, growing up, my family is from Haiti. Um, and so they immigrated here and I was fortunate enough to be born here in the States. Um, but um, being from Florida, um, my family went to uh, this very small Haitian church in Broward County, uh, Florida. Shout out to the 954 people. Um, and for me, it was strange, right? Because I'm gonna, I'm a first generation born American in my family, but we're go- going to this Haitian church and they would speak French and Creole. And I always remember loving the music, but and falling asleep when they were preaching the word, <laughs> mostly because I didn't speak French. So I didn't understand oh. all that they were saying, but I could connect with the music with the rhythms and sing the songs because i could read a creole which is kind of like a derivative of french to some degree but the french language was just too hard for me at the time um and so you know that was my journey until i was about 13 14 and then i started working with my dad overnight because that was my excuse to not go to church on sunday morning Um, my dad being um the good daddy that he was worked uh, three or four jobs my whole life wow and um i was able to help him with the overnight one because 
because his other job as a bartender wouldn't end early enough so I could get there at 11 and meet him and he'll meet me at like three o'clock in the morning and we were just throwing newspapers around the neighborhood um that's what it was from 13 till about uh I graduated high school and bro you were getting up at three o'clock in the morning dude yeah you were you were hustling and grinding grinding man, man. just trying to help my dad and um and so I stopped going to church because I couldn't go to church I was up so late and so I would just sleep in um and uh it's crazy because after I graduated high school um my mom being the good mom that she was was just sick of her son sleeping in on Sundays and that was one of the points of contention with my family and so she fought for my Sunday mornings back and made me attend this small little AG church in my neighborhood and it's American church and my life was forever changed what that's where I found my best friends I found community I got saved oddly enough which is probably another story for another day I actually was uh, serving volunteering as a worship leader even before I had my own personal relationship with Jesus but um the friendships I've made I'm still close to those people till this day and that was the moment that changed my life forever wow forever I will never forget um it was Easter in 2009 I sang this song um it, it basically the song's called a uh, hiding place yes and I didn't realize what I was singing and then as I'm singing it I'm just sensing the presence of God and literally the Lord used ministry to minister to me wow and um I'm forever grateful um but I'd say that's you know that's the beginning for me and um changed my life man that's so powerful and obviously to go from a service where you weren't really understanding the word you know obviously that was a big part of it but yet although you didn't understand you know there was a familiarity you know I'm sure the spirit of God was there oh, so yeah. when you got to the point where you could start understanding yeah. start connecting seeing other people sound like there were more people your age that you could connect with exactly and then what was it kind of like a point in the word where man the word began to convict you was it a point where you just felt the love of God was it a point just in worship where your heart began to connect was it kind of a an amalgamation of all of them yeah what was it for you I'd say I mean the first moment that I could remember um I got invited to attend the youth group oh and so I did and I remember um this worship leader singing the song um from the inside out by yes. Hillsong yep and it wrecked me and I you know I, I I tend to think that worship music is um a sermon with music to it that's how I like to look at it and the words um that really really just just touched my heart was a thousand times I failed still your mercy remained and still I stumbled again but I'm caught in your grace everlasting your light will shine when all else fades never ending your glory goes beyond all fame and for me being in high school um those four years were the best four years of my adolescence like I know most people are like oh I hated high school I was one of the rare people that loved it um I found myself you know I was just super confident I was into sports and into music I was just kind of all over the place and I had a good time but all my friends went away to college so I felt like a piece of me was gone I was the only one that stayed back and at the same time my mom's like no you're gonna go to church and the Lord filled that void with his love with his acceptance and then also brought in some really really good solid um people who've been doing the church thing much longer than I at the time um to kind of walk alongside of me and to encourage me and to be an extension of his love and his grace and his kindness and just that community man and we all served together like it just was amazing and it's exactly what I needed in that time. Hey man, so you came up, obviously Gen Z, man, you came up in the entire uh, T of your come up was the digital age. I oh, mean, yeah. you, you had access to social media, all that stuff. You're, you guys are the first generation. So in high school, man, with all the professors, because you're at a public high school, am yep. I right? Mm -hmm. So you're at a public high school, but you're standing for God, the pulls and everything. How did you navigate that whole peer pressure, social media, social conformity, sway, 
spirit of the world versus walking right before God. I actually didn't do a good job at this at first. <laughs> hey, love your honesty. Honestly, I was struggling. I thought I had to live a double life. Um, I thought, okay, um, because a lot of the people that I went to school with didn't go to church with me, it was kind of easy. Yeah. And so like, I kind of had two different lives until a friend um, from this uh, church youth group that I was a part of told me, hey, yo, like you can't be living a double life. Like you can't be out up here leading worship and then on the back end just doing whatever you want. <laughs> now, I was always like, you know, I was always a life of the party, but I just never, by the grace of God, I never like even dabbled with drugs or alcohol. That just wasn't my thing. Um, growing up in a pretty affluent area, um, a lot of, I experienced a lot of like drunk driving deaths with some of my friends in high school. Mm. So that kind of just deterred me from even wanting to play with that. But I was still at all the parties. I was still there. Um, just never really participated. But then I realized when I had this conversation with that person, like, oh man, like the same Jesus who died, gave everything for me. I'm only giving him a piece of me. Woo. So I instantly made the decision like, hey, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I just was sold out ever since. That is amazing, man. You know, let me ask you this, Chris. How did you recognize that worship gift? Those of you that are listening, Chris is an amazing worship leader. And when I say worship leader, some people, they're good at the worship. They're not good at the leading or some people are good at the leading, not as strong <laughs> in the worship. Chris is equally strong. His bicep and tricep in the area both <laughs> popping when it comes to worship and leading others into worship and leading teams. How'd you recognize that worship gift on your life, bro? Well, first, uh, Sensei, we call Sean Sensei. Um, <laughs> man, you're so kind. Thank you. That is uh, super, super kind. Um, you know, um, so at the same church, uh, mm -hmm. my mom, you know, everyone, you know, if you have a good relationship with your mom, you know that moms tend to see you as like a six-year-old or an eight-year-old. They have this one memory of you, no matter how old you get, that's the only way they see you. And when I was a kid, she had put us in this little kids choir. And um, so we used to sing with them, do all these like Kirk Franklin hits. That's kind of was the beginning. Yeah. But I didn't really quite understand. It was just fun and I had to do it. My mom made me do it. Um, but fast forward, um, I started attending this church and I remember um, I had shoulder surgery. So my arm was in a sling and I just was like, just, you know, kind of upset. My mom's making me wake up early and go to this church. I don't know anybody here. I'd rather go work with my dad and whatever the case may be. But um, she calls over the senior pastor. Now, my mom is the quietest, shyest, like she won't do that. But she felt like, yo, I need the attention. The senior pastor calls him over and says, hey, my son sings, make him join the choir. This is what she says. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And so the guy's like, yo, we have rehearsal on Wednesday. You should come. Me being me, I tend to be a little bit of a yes man. And I didn't want to embarrass my mom. So I just was like, okay, I'll go. Um, And so I decided to go. This is crazy, right? Literally the next day, that Monday, I'm leaving to go. I was hungry, so I was going to go get breakfast. I get into a car accident right in front of the church. Oh, wow. Like I hit this car. This car hit me head on collision. Both cars total loss. Like, so the church was right outside of my neighborhood and I hit, like we hit each other right in front of the church. I get out the car. I go see if that other person's okay. That person ends up being one of the youth group members that attends this church. And she was kind of like the princess of the house. You know, those church people that's like, everybody loves her. Everyone, she's a part of everyone's family. This was her. And wow. I'm like, oh my gosh. And no one knows me from a can of paint. And, um, <laughs> and so, okay, I, that whole thing 
thing happens and, you know, the cops do what they do and, you know, we figure all that stuff out. And I still decide to go to this rehearsal and I go there and the choir director is asking, um, hey, does anyone need prayer requests? And a choir member goes, oh, you know, pray um, for this person, this girl. And, um, you know, somebody, you know, hit them in a car exit. It was kind of like talking bad a little bit, not knowing that I was in the room. Oh. And so I kind of like interrupted and was like, oh, that that was me. I don't know why I did that. And I know this is a long answer to a very short question, um, but that was the beginning of me serving in worship. Mm. This was literally the beginning of me serving in worship. And um, from there, I just had the confidence. I don't even know like where it came from to just stick it out. And I did. And then from that, the youth pastor needed a young person to lead youth worship for youth Sunday, which was a big thing where they allowed the youth group to lead worship on Sunday morning, take over the Sunday morning service. And I was the youngest person in the choir. Well, he's like, he took me out to coffee, um, at Starbucks and was like, Hey, I need you to lead worship for my youth group on youth Sunday. I didn't even really know what that meant, but I just said, okay. Okay, I, I can help out. I, I have time. I'm free. And um, so I remember talking to some of the, the other students who were involved, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this song. It was Days of Elijah. And back then that was considered an old song because <laughs> I, I was only around the adults, the Sunday morning adults. And that's when he gave me um, a Hillsong United CD and was like, listen to this, pick songs from this. We're young. This is what we do. And I was like, okay, and this is my peer. Like we're probably like a year between age. So, but I was just always with the adults. I didn't know. Um, anything else and that Sunday morning lo and behold we did some younger songs and I led worship and that was literally the beginning I remember I was so bold that I did this altar call what yes I called the whole congregation to the front and worship was supposed to be 15 minutes this was at least 45 minutes no one gave me the real like instructions I just was free I was bold I went for it had charisma and it was during that service where I accepted the Lord Savior as as the Lord Jesus as my savior. Wow. That was my whole altar call. I was like, hey, everyone needs to come up here and pray for someone else. I actually have this video on YouTube, which is hilarious. And I just called everyone up. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now's your chance. And I didn't realize I was talking to myself. Man, bro. And I was weeping and I was crying. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning moment where I started realizing, I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. This is eerily similar. There was during a UK revival back in the day, there was this preacher and he was preaching and so obviously he had made a commitment he, he said yes to the call of God but he must not have been where he needed to be with the Lord he preached a message and while he was preaching the message he came under conviction and got saved under his whole own message and revival broke out and so I just think man what an incredible way that you both discovered your worship gift but at the same time God made himself like supremely real to you and that was just that's that's amazing now Chris because I know you and I know your story. You know our stories. This is what happens when you do life together and I'm, yeah. I'm blessed to do it. Uh, you had a wilderness chapter yeah. inside of, you know, how you have different chapters in your life. And if God, I think it was, uh, if you've listened to Keep It 100, any amount of time you've heard me quote the A.W. Dozier quote that before God uses a man greatly, he must first crush him deeply. Yeah. And although we don't like that, it, it's so that God can get our character in a place where our character can platform our gifts. Because if your character isn't ready, when you start putting on the weight of people recognizing you, it it, it usually is a self-sabotage, wrong way forward kind of situation. But you went through a wilderness experience. And, and the thing that I love for our leaders, our listeners to hear, there's several different components, but I don't know if I ever know a dude that was in revival, kind of maybe at a certain point because of their own 
space and place kind of burned out in it and then got seriously revived at a whole nother <laughs> level. You know, usually that doesn't happen. But anyway, tell us your wilderness experience, man. Man. So, you know, I was attending this great church in Fort Lauderdale. Amazing church. This was where I learned so much about not my like not only myself, but ministry, worship, revival. Like we had a revival that was supposed to be like three days, ended up being like nine weeks or something crazy Man. like that. And I was young. I had to be like 24. I was really, really, really young and just zealous and excited to serve. And what I missed was um, I didn't know how to personally sustain the amount that I was giving. Mm. And I look back now and of course, like in the time, like I wanted to blame everything else, right? I wanted to blame leadership. I wanted to blame this. I wanted to blame that. I wanted to blame my friends. I wanted to blame shortcoming. You name it. I blamed it. When I look back, I realized the key was for me to be able to sustain pouring out. I didn't have a consistent pouring in, mm. in my own personal life. And God was there. God was available. His presence was always willing to meet. But instead of going back to him, I just went to lay down. I went to um, the spirit of, of lethargy, if I'm making that word up, but just vegging and watching TV and just hanging out. I didn't do enough reflecting. I didn't do enough of, man, this is what God did. Instead, I just was so focused on the physical toll. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on the price that I never even set out to pay. I didn't even know I needed to pay, mm. um, but I paid it and didn't get the replenishment from the source. And, um, and honestly, like that's one of my, it's a regret, but at the same time, I'm thankful for it because it's helped bridge that gap of where I'm at now. Yes. Um, I needed that season mm -hmm. to now be able to, to sustain any kind of move of God, whether that's corporately or personally, it just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I don't want to move if he's not in it. It's Ooh. not just in the public sense. It's in my private life. Yes. More than anything. And so I just remember, man, serving. And I remember uh, me and my friends used to have conversations like, cause you know, we would serve together and you know, we've seen people laid out and healing testimonies and you know, this lump disappeared or this, uh, this, this preacher evangelist lays hands on someone and they just fall out. And I remember being on the platform going, yeah, that stuff will never happen to me. <laughs> my mentality is why would anybody want to lay hands on the person that's singing the songs behind them? That's how I saw it. And I look back now and I feel like the Lord has shifted that in my life. Mm. It's no longer I'm doing a service versus I'm a part of move. Mm. And it's, it's, it's night and day. And, um, man, those, those years were tough. They were challenging, but it gave me the grit, the stamina, the energy. And I didn't know it then, but I am so grateful for that time. And so after those years, um, I, you know, I, I left that church, didn't really know what was next. Didn't know, um, what God had for me. I, I don't even know if I really cared, to be honest. Um, I knew I loved God. I knew I believed in God, mm -hmm. but the ministry part, I kind of was like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about revivals. Everyone wants a revival, right? I'm like, if that's what it felt like, I don't want anything to do with that. Right, right, right. But, uh, you know, um, the Lord took me, I like to call it a cave. Mm. Um, before I could be in the kingdom, I had to learn how to be in the cave mm. where there was nothing there, where I was almost in hiding. And um, that's what uh, New Mexico was for me. And um, man, the Lord began a healing that I didn't even know I needed. Wow. And honestly, spending time with you and Krista is really what helped that healing even come to completion. Mm. And I didn't even know I needed that. Wow. And um, yeah, the 
wilderness is is necessary man and so in that uh, time and season and, and a couple of thoughts one thought you know I, I was thinking about how you were saying that you had all this output but you didn't recognize oh man you know if I have all this output there's got to be input you know uh, I got to get watered if I'm going to be watering other people I, I I was thinking about this time when all of a sudden I dramatically increased my athletic output you know I think I'm, I'm taking mixed martial arts class at another class and then I, I added uh, another degree of cardio activity and I was doing all this stuff but I was drinking the same water levels as I were was mm. before all of a sudden man for a good while I had this tremendous pain in my back and it was like debilitating like it was hard to get in the car get out it got to the point where literally I was not quite bedridden but I couldn't be bedridden and so I remember going to the doctor and the doctor says are you a big time coffee drinker I go no they go you're severely dehydrated mm. and I go what and they go yeah and I'm, I'm thinking I drank the same water level water amount that I've always drunk but now what I didn't make the connection with that level of exertion yeah. going to another level my water and I think in life a lot of people they're so busy watering others they're not getting watered themselves yep. and that really puts you in a vulnerable situation and unfortunately I think we've seen vessels make bad decisions because of that now in this season I want to get back to you Chris in this season when you had transitioned from the east coast <laughs> to a little bit more to towards the west uh, southwestern portion mm -hmm. of the United States uh, I know that there was something that happened that was a part of your wilderness chapter it left you kind of reeling for a moment and you it was one of those times I think looking at respect it it was God testing your characters how you yeah. would deal with disappointment at that level tell tell us about that if you're cool with that yeah so after I was at this uh, church um, uh, and for a lot of after I resigned I moved to New Mexico which don't ask it's you know New Mexico and if you're from New Mexico we love you um, I spent some time there in a small uh, small uh, city um, on the east side of New Mexico and um, within six weeks of me being at this church. Now, I, I only accepted this job because um, there was already a worship pastor there, so they wouldn't have been this like full-on responsibility. Um, my job was a worship pastor, but I was more brought there to help develop and train, which is easy. Like, I love that. I love seeing, you know, younger people growing their gifts and volunteers growing their gifts. And so that was really the job. But then within six weeks, there was an indiscretion from um, upper leadership, which for me, I didn't, I wasn't there long enough to have like a deep emotional connection right but all of my co-workers were wow all of my ministry partners were all of the volunteers were all of the church were this this guy planted this church and was the only senior pastor for 40 years oh my um and what's so beautiful he had a great ministry it was amazing like from day one he was baptizing people in every service wow thousands tens of thousands of people were baptized in this church That's it was crazy the, the, the town was only about uh, i think four thousand people my church was about 2,000 people. It, oh it was incredible, incredible. And it's at the peak of um, its existence. And then there was this, this huge indiscretion that really um, hurt a lot of people. Wow. And I remember being in that meeting and that was the first time where it became clear why the Lord had me there. Mm. I'm thinking I accepted this job to run away from something, but God led me there to run to something. Mm. And it gave me a chance in my own hurt, in my own burnout, and my own exhaustion and my own confusion and my own despair, weariness, you know, all the adjectives. The Lord used me to help bring hope and healing to a whole people through worship. It was incredible what happened. And there's some great people in this town, man. Amazing, amazing people um, who took me in, treated me like family, but they were hurting. They were hurting. 
and um, the worship pastor at the time resigned. So it was my job. It was only oh, Chris now. My goodness. To figure out, okay, how do we worship through this storm? Mm. How do we worship through this storm? And these people have never even like seen anything like that. If you know anything about small town living, they're very disconnected to city suburbia. Like where I'm from, I heard of moral failures too many times. Right. But these people never really seen or heard or ever thought it would be this close. And I remember um, we had found everything out on a Friday and we actually had a service that night. Wow. And I had to lead worship the same service that they were going to let the congregation know all this stuff. And that's when the Lord just showed me like they're going to make it through this through worship. Mm. They're keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus, on the cross, on the love of God. And from that, he will keep them. He will protect them. He will grow them, show them love. And um, I was there for 11 months and man, like the ministry grew. It flourished. In fact, um, that we, um, the church merged with another church, a very prominent church. Wow. Huge, like 20,000 member church. Oh my. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a lot of different things that happened. But I remember um, at around December, the new senior pastor over this 20,000 member church met with, met with me and with our pastors. And he looked at me and said, Chris, I did not expect growth in this season. I came in here to sustain. Wow. So the fact that there was growth in the worship ministry, we went from like, like, I don't know, like maybe 15 volunteers to, I can't even tell you, it was a substantial amount. Like it was crazy how many people the Lord brought wow. for such a time as this. And he was just in awe, Man. but you know, we were just so fixed on Jesus. So enamored with what God wanted to do. And in that, that brought so much healing to me. Bro, I think I'm going to underscore something you said, Chris, I think it's so profound. I think disappointment, which, hey, let's just get real. We're all going to have disappointment. We're all going to face problems. We're all going to be hit with setbacks, things we didn't see coming. And it seems like just observation, looking at people, watching people live their lives out in the kingdom, Christians, church going people, it takes out a lot of people. Yeah. But what I think it is, is that disappointment, that pain, that situation. And you said, if you realize it's an elevator. Now, elevator, obviously the root word is elevate, yeah. right? The, the purpose of elevator is you're trying to go to the next highest floor. But I think the pain, the problem, it's an elevator, but you choose whether that arrow is going up or going down, That's good. right? You go to the elevator. I push up, you know, it's funny because a lot of elevators you get in, I always like to get on a top floor. So you get in a lot of the voice activated. They go going down. They'll yeah. say when you get an elevator and I correct it. I go, I may be going down, but I'm really going Come up. On. I always Come talk on. to the elevator <laughs> because I think what you did, you made the choice. You could have went in a major, I'm hurt. I'm burned out. Hashtag church hurt movement, deconstruct. There's a whole path you could have went down, but you said you pressed into Jesus yeah. and it's like you pushed the elevator. And so I just believe that there are people listening right now. You're facing something right now. I just want to challenge you. That's good. Don't push the downward arrow on the elevator, push the upward arrow. It, it, I always say this, don't waste your trials. Don't waste yeah. your setbacks, your disappointment. It's an opportunity. The Bible says, you know, when it speaks of Jesus, that we may know him, the power of his resurrection, everybody's down with that. Yeah. But then it says the fellowship of his sufferings. Few people are down with that. Yeah. And that's how you get to know him. And so I love that in you. So kind of to finish out that chapter, obviously you're now married, you're here in California. Yes. So how did the next transition go where you got out here with us? So when I was leaving um, New Mexico, I was at a place where I was done with ministry. Um, and the New Mexico season, to your 
point, uh, Sean, really brought me back to my genesis with the Lord because mm. I had nothing else. I didn't have the community, my strong community in Florida that I built for years and years. I didn't have that. Um, I had a good community, but I had just met them. It was only 11 months, right? So right. I didn't have my family. Mm. I was in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, there wasn't many people that looked like me, honestly. Like, right. I was just, I had nothing. I was literally in the desert. <laughs> literally. Literally. And the Lord brought me back to him. Um, that's all I had. And it was a very up and down season with him, but I, he was there and I had a lot of time in isolation, which if you know my personality, that's just not what I do. I don't ever like, I want to do stuff with people all the time. And, but I had a lot of time in isolation. And when I left that season, we did so many great things. Um, they didn't have to rehire my position, which I thought was, that's always a goal when you're in ministry, like replace to, yourself. to replace yourself. And it was just beautiful um, by the grace of God. But I just was done with ministry. I was done with politics in the church. I was done with, you know, um, not having a space to be freely Chris. Yes. I always felt like I had to pull back in certain situations or had to play the part or play the role to be respected or to be taken seriously. Um, I just felt like, you know what, in this next season, um, I'm, I'd rather go and help a church for like a week and leave. Be kind of consulting. Consult. Like I thought that just was the next season. And so um, a good friend of mine, um, Andy, was already here in California. And um, earlier, a few months earlier, um, you know, he and I were joking around. He's like, man, like, dude, man, you got a lot going on here. You should leave and come to California. And I'm like, nah, man. Um, but, you know, put feelers out there. I'll never say no to an interview. Like, I'll never say no um, to a potential open door. I don't know what God wants to do. Um, but at that time, like, New Life wasn't looking for anybody. And so I was like, okay, cool. Um, um, no biggie. Um, and so I finally was home and flew out here and interviewed and twice. And I was just not interested. <laughs> I was like, yo, I don't want to be in a church anymore. Like, I just, you know, I found myself in a weird way. I loved God, but hated the church, mm -hmm. hated the institution of the church. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge people person. Right. I love the church people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hated the church building. Yeah, yeah. No, I tried. You know, so I just wasn't about that. And um, I remember I got the phone call and they're like, hey, it's been a week. What are you going to do? And I kid you not, I promise you, I said no. <laughs> I said no, but somehow, some way, God turned that into a yes. Um, and I didn't even fight it because I just knew in my heart from praying and fasting and thinking and talking to close friends and singing wise counsel. I just knew this is where I needed to be. Mm. But the thing that made me the most nervous is I didn't know why, because everything that was being offered here was not what I wanted. Mm. But this is where I was supposed to be. Wow. I take the move, move out here and um, get established here. And lo and behold, what's so funny is um, the second day that I moved here, I met Lillian. Wow. Who's my wife. Come on, bro. And oddly enough is that same week she moved back from Buffalo. So backstory, a uh, special shout out to my wife. She's amazing, y'all. Yes, yeah, she is. She is amazing. She was working for Starbucks, was at Buffalo, supposed to be six weeks, ended up being like seven or eight months. And somehow, some way, the day that the week I moved here, she moved back from Buffalo. Wow. And wasn't planned. She didn't know. It was just kind of like, hey, the assignment's done. Come back. And so we met my second day uh, through a mutual friend and we hung out and, you know, we kind of got into a little bit of an argument. Me represent, I was saying the East Coast is better than the West Coast. Um, <laughs> and she wasn't too fond of that. And so, but that was the beginning of our friendship. Wow. And then that Friday, that so that's Tuesday. So then three days later, that Friday, I have my first event at New Life. The worship leader, um, Jasmine, was sick. And so I had to, I was just there by myself with Angelo. Um, 
Um, and I don't know, I don't know anything. I don't know anyone's name, but I'm supposed to lead worship with these volunteers for this event. And that's why I first met Krista. Wow. And I will never forget that exchange. Like, I think we, we shook hands cause they introduced and they're like, yeah, this is our new worship pastor. And I just felt like I knew her mm. in the weirdest way. I had never met Krista before. Right. But I was just like, yo, why do I feel like I know this person? I couldn't put my finger on it. And then we flowed that service and it was amazing. It yes. was easy. It was great. It was effortless. I just kind of was like, oh yeah, we, I just know what she's about. But in a way, I kind of was like, it was a little cynical. I was like, okay, I get what these revivalists are about. And then and then I think probably that Monday, you and Krista spoke to the staff. Yes. And remember, so that was like, and so I just did it because I was trying to give everyone a break. I'm the new guy. So I did a little uh, piano uh, worship. I remember that. And that's where I met you and Krista and you guys were flowing for prophetically and I just was doing what I do like and it just felt like we've been doing this for a million years yes and it was just seamless and then I remember I think it was probably a few weeks after that that's when you and you and Krista met with me to talk about uh helping with prophetic master class and uh the momentum conference yes it was just those those two things at the time right little I had no clue that it was going to be this lifelong relationship that I yes. needed so desperately wow I did not. I, I, my wife was here. Mentors were here and you and Krista, my healing was here. Wow. Um, this community, my, like my cousin actually moved to California. I have close friends in Morgan Hill, the community I'm finding at this church and new life and, um, being able to build and pour in here, yes. like the exceedingly abundantly above I could ever even ask. And I didn't even ask for it. I stopped asking. I was over it. I love how God worked. Oh my goodness, man. And the relationship I dude, I can go on and on like i am so blessed i am so so blessed by that yes bro isn't that how god always takes it hey man i'm gonna sh sh throw in a, a two-part question uh you those who are listening all of our momentum events which we do monthly meetings in oakland california we do a major conference once a year momentum conference and then we do kind of a momentum various master class it'd be prophetic master class healing and deliverance master class two full question chris one what part do you feel worship will play in the next move and then two uh uh, what do you expect from these momentums? And I know it's a two-part question, yeah. but what what part? Because you you're you're leading worship at all of our events. You're putting together teams. You're working with different people. And honestly, people, seriously, you're so gifted. And the way you follow Holy Spirit is amazing. So again, back to the question: What part do you feel worship will play in this next move? And what do you expect at the, the a momentum masterclass? I think worship is going to play such a significant role in this next move because I believe worship is everything. It's not not just a song. It's not just a musician. It's not just a talented singer. It's how we live our lives on a daily basis. Come on, bro. Worship is what tells you to, hey, God loves you to that person in the supermarket. Or, hey, I want to I want to pay for that car behind me in the drive-thru. Or, hey, let me, let me get you a coffee. Yes. I think worship leads us in every area of our lives. It encourages. It blesses the Lord. It gives him the glory that he deserves. And worship postures us in a place of realizing all that I have is yours, God. Mm. Everything that I have. I'm a big proponent. Um, I tell people this all the time. Um, I don't lead worship because I like music. I enjoy music, but music's not really a passion for me. Um, my passion has always been people. Mm. And worship is a tool or music is a tool that the Lord has used to lead me to people. Mm. That's always been my thing since day one. Man. And um, 
I wish I could say like, man, like music's everything to me, but music is just a tool to bring people closer to the Lord. And I think in this next move and these momentum moves, I've seen how worship has totally just shifted the atmosphere when, when, and, and at least in the, definitely the momentum nights, like I've seen where we push and press and encourage and just like lead the people. 100%. They go for it. Yes, sir. And we've seen what happens. Like, oh my gosh, there's no greater sound than when I hear God's people singing without a worship leader on their own. Wow. It just feels like heaven. Yes. And I believe that's going to be so significant because I believe people are going to be leading worship in their homes. Mm. People are going to be lighthouses in their own community. And in that, like, just like the upper room, like we're going to have thousands of upper room experiences in different neighborhoods where people are going to have so many neighbors and so-and-sos come over from out of nowhere. They won't even know what to do with them. And I think it's going to be contagious. I think it's going to affect every church, every congregation. I think worship is the key. Mm. When I I, I'm reminded of the story and it's funny I've, I've been talking about the story a lot and maybe it was for this conversation Sean um, but it's the story of the golden calf and if you remember in Exodus I think it's Exodus 32 uh, Moses goes to be with the Lord and the people are left behind with Aaron right um, Aaron who's a strategist but was also people pleasing yep um, great speaker um, decided man the people were complaining like hey we want we want to build an altar or build a statue build an idol um, to worship the Lord because uh, we you know Moses gets to worship how come we can't you know the Israelites were known for complaining <laughs> this was normal for them. Um, Aaron, being wise, decided, okay, why don't you guys uh, melt the gold? Um, and I think it's um, your children's earrings. Melt the gold, and then I'm a, we're going to make a statue. Lo and behold, they turn into a golden calf. Mm. What's so interesting about this story um, is when I went to Israel, our tour guide told it from a, a Jewish-Israeli perspective, mm. which is different from an American Christian perspective. He shared how back in those times, it was customary for people to be popular polytheistic. Mm -hmm. Whereas in today's culture, we're very monotheistic, right? right? Like God is the only God. Right. Whereas back then it was like, okay, we do believe in the sun God. We do believe in this God, but we just believe that Jehovah is higher. Ah. Right. This is how he, he shared it. And what's interesting is all the other gods for them to come and be in a place, you had to build something for them to sit on. And that something oftentimes was like a golden statue, a, a cow or, 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 or altar, altar, whatever. And so basically the people were complaining with normal custom customs like if god is with is with moses then for him to be with us we need to build something for him to come right we need to build something so we can worship him and what and it's so funny when you read throughout all of exodus which is one of my favorite books is the number one message that i feel that god was trying to get to is to the israelites of that time and i think that message is still here to the, to this day is i am with you no matter what mm. so the, the the splitting of the that the the red sea wasn't enough the cloud by day fire by night wasn't enough the mass the plagues to get you right. out of that wasn't enough crazy all these signs manna that coming manna from... coming from heaven wasn't enough yet you wanted another thing for to be proven that i am with you mm. yet this whole time i've been trying to get you to see that i am with you mm. right now yesterday and tomorrow i feel like in today's world that that seems to be the message that the lord is trying to get to his people mm. is not only am i here not only did I send Jesus, not only is the Holy Spirit available every single day. So good. But you don't have to have it at a church. And what I love about the Momentum Nights is we have, we see people from all different churches, yeah. all different walks of life come together, get poured into, get filled to go. Yes. To go. It doesn't stay. Yes. Go into your cities, go into your neighborhoods, go into your churches and, and pour out and come back and get refilled. Yes. And so anyways, 
I just say all that to say, I think worship is is a big key component when we see it um, how God intended it. And that's it's everything in our lives. And I look forward to these next Momentum Nights because I believe God just has so much more. Yes. This last one, we saw so much, so many healing testimonies. We saw so many people filled with the Holy Spirit. We yes. saw people just laid out, laid out in the best way possible. Just, yes. just, just basking in the glory and in the love of God. There was a peace in that room. Facts. Oh my goodness. Like it was just, uh, it, it just, I, I was in awe and it's so cool. Like from my standpoint, as a person leading worship, people are often like, man, like, are you tired? Are you exhausted? And I think my healing journey has led me to a place to not only learn how to go back to the source to get refilled, but in these momentum nights, I am getting filled literally as I'm pouring out. Crazy. And I've never experienced that before. That's crazy. Like I leave feeling like I got hit by a truck, but super energized, like wanting more. Like, Love that. I, like Love we that. can keep going and keep going. And oh, so you do too. Hey, listen, and I'm just excited for more of these nights to come because I think God is just going to show us more of heaven. And I think you nailed something, bro. And I love how you brought in that passage in Exodus that it, that altar for them was kind of a statement of God, we want you to be with us. And yet to connect what you're saying, Psalms 22, 3, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. people. Yep. That our, our praise, I believe that prayer connects us to the heart of God, but worship connects us to the presence of the Lord, good. tabernacling, dwelling in our midst. And so that's so important. Chris, man, what you shared is so profound. I mean, like, yo, dude, you, you're deep. You're uh, as, as likable as they come. I literally can't say I know a guy more likable. I mean, you're on the Mount Rushmore in my life of <laughs> likable guys. Like anybody has a problem with you has a problem. <laughs> hey, how can our listeners stay in contact with you, man, and just follow what you're doing and keep up with you? Yeah, I'm I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, you can find me. It's Chris Aldejusti or Aldejuiced. Um, I'm sure you'll find the spelling somewhere. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly on there. Um, Facebook, same yes. thing. Um, I love connecting with people. So I love to meet new people, hear your stories um, and just connect and just see what God does through new relationships. And so Sean, thank you so much for even like having me on here. Um, I am so appreciative of you, you and Krista. You guys have changed my life forever, man. And I'm just excited. Like if you could come out to Momentum Nights or uh, PMC, uh, master classes, um, healing and deliverance, anything, you need to be there. Like it'll change your life. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a part. I kid you not. Even if I wasn't leading worship, I'll be sitting in the front row um, without question. Chris is going to be leading worship along with the team at our next masterclass. And you do not want to miss it. We'll give you information. Obviously, you can go to our website and find it. Chris, dude, thanks so much for hopping on of the Keep 100 podcast, bro. We love you. We love your wife. We call her LTV, y'all. It's Lily, but Lily LTV. Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. <laughs> so, all right. We, we love you, man. I mean, come on. I love Love him. I love what he shared. That was such a good conversation. Oh, it was amazing. Chris, his ability to be honest, yes. forthright, yes. funny, 100% <laughs> yes. authentic himself, but he loves the Lord with all his heart. That was gold. There were so many nuggets, just the kind of thing that you learn from people's lives. I always feel like our lives will be a classroom to a generation, good or bad, as to what yeah. to do or what not to do. And he shared with us some things to do. And I think that's so powerful. You know, and I love it when we allow 
allow our lives to be unpacked, to be you're like you're saying a classroom for other people to learn from. And I just love Chris. I love his vulnerability. I love his transparency. And he always is going to point you back to Jesus. And isn't that the way we should always respond through every lesson, every path walked in our lives? We're pointing back to Jesus. And Chris does that so beautifully. Keep 100 Tribe. I hope you just so enjoyed this conversation. It's so rich. And there's anything really just to walk away thinking is that worship just simply isn't a song at the beginning of a service or when your favorite tune comes on or what you have on your Apple pay- playlist. Worship literally is our lifestyle. It's the way we live our life. And and worshipers, true worshipers, obviously worship in spirit and in truth. And the whole understanding is that when you're a worshiper, worship is warfare. Worship is the thing that can bring the presence of God so quickly that when you feel like you're in a situation where the enemy is trying to get at you and the enemy's trying to hit you, get strongholds in your mind, or maybe you need to worship God in the midst of your battling with an affliction, or you feel an area in your life where you need freedom as you begin to worship. It's so important. And we're super pumped that we're going to have Chris several days from now also leading worship at our Healing and Deliverance Masterclass. And if you're not going to be there live, you can go live stream. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. We sure love you guys. And we just want you to know that uh, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100!